All right. Uh, before we start, if you just pray one more time, if you could ask God to uh, just ready your heart to hear from Him, and if you could also lift up prayer for me that God will speak through me today, because uh, I believe that uh, some of your lives, you're gonna, your lives are going to change today. Yeah. As a result, things going to change. Yes. As a result, Asia's going to change, yeah. and as a result, the world's going to change. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's pray. Let's expect great things from our great God. Amen. Let's do that. Let's pray in faith. Let's pray today. God, we thank you that you're here through the presence of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you reside in every single one of your children. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and lead this night. Uh, We want to be taken deeper into your presence. God, we want to dwell in the throne room of our King. We want to dwell within the chambers, the prayer chambers, the areas of the heavenly realms where your will gets decided and released from heaven and falls down like reversed thunder. We desire prayer to go back up to the heavenly realms and return with power that will shake the foundations of the city and of this nation. Father, we do not want to leave leave here tonight the same because we've gathered in your name. And we're going to hear your word that is alive and active. God, we want to pray in faith. We want to expect great things, God. We expect lives to change tonight. We expect this campus to be shifted tonight. We expect soul to be different tonight. We expect great things because we are praying to a great God. And so, Lord, we expect for you to answer these prayers in ways that will blow our minds away because you have already told us in your word, God, that you give above and beyond what we could ever hope for, ask, or imagine. So, God, we pray that you would bring forth personal revival, church revival, city revival, nation revival, world revival for your church. So come, Holy Spirit, ignite our hearts with a passion for your name. Give us your hearts. Allow our hearts to be burdened, to be infused with passion for the things of your heart. Not of our dreams, not of our ambitions, but God, of your mind, your dreams, and the passions, pursuits, and kingdom of your heart. Release it here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, you know, there was a man who uh, went to a department store, and while he was there, he, went, you know, he was going to return an item. And while he was about to return the item... Um, you know, nobody else was there. He went to the customer service, and the customer service, she was by herself, but she was on the phone, and he was about to return this item, and to which she replied, oh, I'm sorry, sir, you're going to, you know, she's got off the, I'm sorry, you're going to have to take a number. And so he's, like, looking around, he's like, there's, like, nobody there. Like, I'm the only one here. I'm sorry, that's policy. Please take a number. So she gets back on the phone. So he takes a number, and he's, he's like, number 15. But, and, but the thing said, five. And so I was like, okay. So he's like waiting. waiting. She gets on the phone, and then you know, she's like chewing her gum. And, stuff. and then she presses the button. Uh, number six. Number six. 
Number seven. Number seven. Number eight. Number eight. 14, 14. And finally, number 15, 15. Yes, may I help you? To which he replied, no. And he leaves. Now, even though it was policy that you need to go through the numbers, the ultimate purpose was customer service. And that's the ultimate purpose of the state. You see, the heart of serving customers was replaced by the law or the legalism of taking the numbers. Legalism can destroy a company. But also, legalism like that can destroy a Christian and a church. You see, that was the challenge that the churches in Galatia were facing. They were struggling between law and freedom. They were struggling between legalism and enjoying their relationship with God. You see, the joy and freedom of grace was being snuffed out by the law of legalism. For Christ came to set us free from the law of sin and death, to enjoy life with Him. So, what we want to look at today is, I want to look at this first portion of Galatians. I've been taking my church through the letter of Galatians. So if you do have your Bibles, you can open to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 5. And I want to unpack the blessings of Christ crucified. That there are certain blessings that we need to take hold of, that we gain, and as was mentioned during the prayer and praise time, that we need to take possession of because we are in Christ and Christ is risen. So, this letter by Paul is his most aggressive. Uh, it is majority rebuke. Right? It is majority correction. All of his other letters, you know, he starts with thanksgiving for them, and just enjoyment, you know, I'm always thankful for you. He doesn't do that. He gets right to the chase. It's like, there's some serious issues that you guys need to deal with. It is filled with rebuke, seeking to correct a lot of these legalisms that has crept into this church. Now, rebuke, though, is not a bad thing when received humbly and it, when it is for our godliness. Psalm 141.5 says, Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let a righteous man rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Okay, so rebuke, humbly received, is like anointing in our lives. That can change our life. But before we get to these issues in Galatia, Paul begins this introduction to his letter. He begins by reminding them of the blessings that we have because Christ is crucified. So what are those blessings? That's what I want to unpack and explore today. Now, the first thing that we learn here is that our blessings we gain because Christ is crucified is that we receive our assignments. So everyone repeat, we receive our assignment. We receive our assignments. Okay, so that's one of the blessings that we need to understand. Because Christ has risen and we are in him, he has blessed us with a new assignment. So we need to understand that foundation for it. So let's look at Galatians 1. Verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Paul identifies himself as an apostle, which means one who is sent. So he has an assignment from the Lord. To be an apostle, one needed to be have seen Christ, the risen Christ, and to have been sent out by him. This is one of the major themes of this letter. So, people were questioning Paul's authority. 
and thus his influence over these other churches, and especially they're questioning his uh, gospel message. Now, here, more than any other time, Paul is emphasizing his calling that he received directly from Christ. Again, it says, an apostle not from men or through men, but through Christ Jesus and God the Father. So Paul is stressing that he is the one who has received his assignment directly from Christ, crucified. And then he says, through Christ Jesus and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Now, why does he talk about this so early in the letter? He starts right away addressing the risen Christ. Why? He is pointing to the resurrection so early in this letter to stress that the resurrection of Christ signified the new age of redemptive history. Okay, so it is because of Christ crucified, we have our assignment today. Right? Our authority as preachers of the gospel comes uh, to, in order to preach the gospel to our family, to our workplace, to our city, because of Christ. Our calling as disciple makers of all nations comes because of Christ. Our identity as sons and daughters of the King, all that we are, after faith in Christ, is all because Christ was crucified. The resurrection of Christ changes everything for our lives. Time changed from B.C. to A.D. Death changed from being a master to a servant. Eternity is changed for souls to rest with their Savior. Everything changed when Jesus rose from the grave. So we have new life and a new purpose because Christ came, died, and rose again. We live for him and all for the glory of his name. So that's the first blessing that gets established. Because of Christ crucified, we receive our assignments. Second thing that we learn here is that not only do we receive our assignment because Christ was crucified, but also we receive our atonements. So everyone repeat, we receive our atonements. Look at verse 3 and beginning of verse 4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Okay, so he gave himself for the atonement of our sins. There is a grace and peace that are ours from God the Father and God the Son, and Jesus is the one who gave himself for our sins. So this is the atonement of Christ, which simply means that Christ made amends for our sins. You see, because of our sins, there were a lot of problems for us to deal with. God's wrath, God's righteous punishment, eternal death and separation in hell because of sin. But because Jesus Christ came to take care of that all to take care of all of that for us, he begins with this crate. So when Paul says in verse 4 that Jesus gave himself for our sins, he is reminding them that Jesus came to absorb all the wrath of God that should have been on us. He took it upon himself. He took the punishment and pain that should have been ours. He took my death and damnation and hell. And instead, he gave me right standing. He gave me his righteousness and his place of dwelling. His home is not our home. So because of that atonement. So these are some of the blessings of Christ crucified. But a third blessing is the one that I want to focus on today. Is that not only do we receive our assignments as messengers of grace... Not only do we receive our atonement, forgiveness of sins, and right standing with God, but also a third blessing that we see in this text, because of Christ crucified, is we receive our abolition. So everyone repeat, we receive our abolition. Receive our abolition. I'll see verses 3 and 4 again. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Why? To deliver us from what? 
the present evil age. Christ came to deliver us or set us free from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. The reason why Jesus gave himself for our sins in this verse tells us was to deliver us, set us free from this present evil age. This tells us that there is a power in this world that cannot be overcome apart from Christ. There is a strong force, spiritual force in this world that we cannot be delivered from except through Jesus Christ. So Jesus came to set us free. Now, abolition is a term connected with the ending of slavery. And for those who fight for the freedom of those enslaved, they're called abolitionists. Jesus Christ is our great abolitionist. Because he came to set us captives free from the bondage that we are in called sin. So the blessing we receive through Christ crucified is our freedom. That is one of the blessings we receive. Freedom from slavery, freedom from sin, freedom from your addictions. And even for those of you who are still struggling with certain addictions here today, the reason why Jesus came to be came to this earth to set us free from our sins was so that he might set you free from those sins. So there is a power in this present evil age that cannot be overcome except through Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 22 and 23 says, But now that you have, been give, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way people can be set free. Amen? So for all of your family members, your friends, your co-workers, everyone is in bondage yes. to some degree. And only Christ, through the gospel, can set them free. So this is our blessing. This is our message, our assignment, to be messengers of this good news. And this is what has been entrusted to us to declare to this nation. Why? Because this present evil age is seeking to destroy this nation. And only the gospel can set Korea free. From the unborn to the elderly, Satan is working hard to kill off Korea. We have one of the highest abortion rates in the world. Estimated at over 350,000 abortions per year, even though it should be illegal. In 2007, it was estimated that 1.7 million babies were aborted in this country. We have one of the highest abortion rates, but we also have the lowest, we are tied for, with several countries, with the lowest birth rates. If you see the connection, that is one glimpse of how Satan is trying to kill off this nation. 
Suicides are now the top cause of death for Koreans in their 20s. In their 20s. In the prime of their life. Number one cause of death. And the elderly are also among the group of people who are seeing sharp increases in suicides in this country. As family members no longer visit them. As society disrespects them, they no longer see it as a blessing to live to the age of 80. The beautiful part of Korean culture that once honored and respected the elderly is quickly crumbling. We must restore honor back. Display honor and respect to them in public whenever possible. And though you are not Korean, I challenge you to display honor and show this country what honor looks like to the elderly. Families are also under attack. As of last month, there are more than 1.2 million divorced households in this country. A 40% increase from five years ago, 18-fold increase from 30 years ago. And again, even the elderly are experiencing sharp increases in divorce. We need to pray for this nation. We need to bring the gospel to this nation. Because Jesus Christ came to deliver us from this present evil age. There is a power in this world, in this nation, in this city, that cannot be overcome except through Jesus Christ. There is a strong spirit of lust, greed, despair, selfishness that is binding this nation and they need Jesus, the great abolitionist, to set them free. But specifically, God has led our ministry uh, to focus on turning the tide in three areas of this country. That is abortion, adoption, and abolition. So these are three areas that God has led our church to begin combating, praying into, and fighting for or against, depending on what you're looking at. And so we have decided to declare as a church, as the Church of Christ, following our great abolitionist, we have decided that we will declare as a church that we will turn the tide in these areas and no longer allow Satan to call the shots for these things anymore. We will do more prayer walks, which we have done. And we we will do them also this month. We are doing prayer walks each month as a church. And this month we will focus on abortion clinics that do these illegal abortions to fight for lives that cannot fight for themselves. And we will pray continually for the greater establishment of these crisis pregnancy centers around this nation. So that's one thing I would encourage you guys. If you are a believer, if you are a praying believer... I encourage you to begin praying on behalf of the unborn. Pray against abortion. I do this every day. Pray against abortion. Pray that God will protect every child in the womb of this country. Pray against premature death. Pray against premature birth. So that the life in the womb will be healthy in this nation. Protected. That the Spirit of God will convict the mothers. These unwed teenage mothers who get kicked out of the schools, the moment it's discovered that they're pregnant, did you know that? In Korea, they are not allowed to attend school anymore. Families kick them out because of the shame factor, unless they have an abortion. 
And so these mothers are alone. They are vulnerable. We need to pray for them. And we need to pray for the children. Also, so that's abortion. The other thing that we are focusing on is adoption. Uh, and so, one area that I believe that I'm seeing the expat foreigners community uh, in this country lead the way is to show the Korean church the beauty and the glory of adoption as a visible expression of the gospel. For So that's another area. And for abolition, our church is committed to fighting to bring an end to human and sex trafficking in Korea, and we will fight until every captive has been set free. No. Uh, this is, you know, this is something that I heard from a lot of our uh, parents in our congregation. I want to kind of let you guys know about this because you might be like, you know, I'm just a college student, you know, just trafficking after the because uh, even some parents, I, I've actually heard this. Some of our uh, parents, and some of them are my age, like, and you know, that's pretty cool. That's you know, I'm so glad that our church is, you know, trying to help trafficking victims and stuff like that. But you know what, Eddie, I'm, a, I'm married now, you know, I'm a kid now. I have a baby now, so hey, you know, it's not really my thing anymore. You know, it has nothing to do with me anymore. So, but um, I, I want to address that for a moment because if you are going to be a parent, it has a lot to do with you. Yep. Let me explain. Yep. Fact number one. Um, actually, let me backtrack. You know, about 50, 60 years ago, uh, the Western world experienced what was called the sex revolution. Prior to that, and so during the sex revolution, you know, uh, you know, women's rights, and not to incorporate, you know, not like that's a bad thing or anything, but you know, there was a huge sexual revolution of trying to uh, change what sexuality was defined as. You see, prior to the sexual revolution, what it meant to be a man across the world, especially Western culture, meant that you would be a protector and a provider. That you will be a faithful husband to one wife. You will care for your children. You will, again, be their defender, their provider, all these things. After the sexual revolution, the other thing that perpetuated this change was suddenly there was Playboy magazine, Penthouse. Suddenly pornography became mass media. And now, after the sexual revolution, what it meant to be a man was Hugh Hefner. And you see it in every single comedy that's released from Hollywood. The idealized man now flirts around, sleeps around, and even if they're an old man, there are plenty of young teenage girls surrounding them, sitting in a bathtub. That is one radical change that has affected society around the world because of the sexual revolution. Okay? Even for women, instead of being one who is honored for whatever they are called to in terms of being a spouse, now the idealized women's picture, you see it on the magazine covers. That has become the ideal. Now, something bad happened along with all these other perfect things, is that for the first time in history, little boys started getting addicted to pornography. You know, because they would find their dad's stash, their older brother's stash, their uncle's stash, whatever. 
So, again, let's rewind 50, 60 years. So suddenly, for the first time in human history, we have young little boys getting hooked uh, to pornography. Now, what we are starting to see happen is, as these young boys getting hooked on pornography grow older, what psychologists have found is that, especially when young boys get hooked at a young age, there's something that happens chemically within their brain that causes them to also become numb to things that once excited them when they were first encountered. So these little boys, they become young teens and older teens, and they not only have to keep looking at porn, they have to look at more hardcore porn to get the same fix. But because they've experienced the numbness of sexuality and nudity at such a young age, now by the time that they're in late teens, early 20s, they need so much more to get stimulated sexually, which leads them to not only look at and watch, they have to experience. That experience led to two things escalating. That was sexual violence in the form of rape. Because they have to experience it. And prostitution. Because they need to experience what they've been watching for so long. Fast forward a few more decades as these 20, 30, 40 year olds get older. Now, they're in their 60s, 70s, and there is a perversion that has grown. They need greater sexual perversions to satisfy their sexual appetites. And now these old grandfathers molest young children, not just in the U.S., but throughout Southeast Asia. That's 50, 60 years ago. Print media was big. Videos, VHS, that was big. Let's fast forward now to modern, the year 2000s, this past decade, and also let's move from the Western world now to Korea. Korea is the number one online country in the world. Even grandmothers are more, like, internet savvy than some teens in the U.S., okay? We are the most online country in the world. Also, Korea spends the most money per capita on pornography now in the world. Average, the average Korean, if you were to divide up the billions of dollars that are spent on pornography in this country, you divide it up between the population, on average about $527 per person in this wow. country. Number two is Japan, $126. Wow. U.S., they're not even in top five anymore. 50% of Koreans buy pornography on their smartphones. And now, Korean boys, as young as eight years, eight years old, are in counseling for addiction to pornography. You know, when I shared about the, these stats to our congregation members, we have a lot of English teachers in our ministry. A lot of the teachers came up to me afterwards and said, Eddie, you are so right, because I teach in elementary schools, junior high schools, high schools, during the class breaks, they show each other porn on their phones. A few months ago, the police did a raid because technically uh, distribution of pornography, especially through internet, means stuff should be illegal. But the police found through this one uh, school 
that there was this computer lab that was distributing pornography at massive rates. And so they set up a state. They wanted to capture whoever this guy was. So they're expecting a teacher, principal, whatever. They set up the sting. They found the culprit, a nine-year-old boy. The results? Sex crimes have risen 50% within the past two years in this country. Last year alone, Take a note, just pause right now. I want you to look up there. Last year alone, more than 3,000 young juveniles in this country, young boys in Korea, were arrested for rape. 50% increase from two years ago. What we have seen happen in the Western world because of the sexual revolution when all of a sudden printed pornography became so prevalent within American homes. The perversion that has increased to the point where these elderly people are now so perverted that they need to experience perverted sexual escapades with little boys in Southeast Asia. What we have seen is that the seeds have turned into weeds. But now, for Korea, those same seeds are being planted. This is your issue. The seeds of sexual immorality grow into the weeds of wickedness and perversion. You see, what makes a 65-year-old man fly from the United States to Cambodia to buy sex from a 5-year-old boy? Does a long plane ride turn that kind of old-looking grandfather into a pervert pervert overnight? No. It was through years and decades. You know, research uh, studies and interviews that we have done, and our ministry partners have done, 100% of these elderly men that have been caught, arrested, and interviewed in Southeast Asia as to why are you here buying sex from a five-year-old boy when they will confess they've never done that in the U.S.? 100% said they were addicted to porn as a young boy. 100%. There's a connection, people, between the seeds of sexual immorality that you are planting in your mind and heart and the weeds of wickedness that will result if not uprooted. Porn can turn a young boy addicted to these images into an old man addicted to greater perversion. It is happening in the U.S. It is happening throughout Europe. It is happening throughout Southern America. And now it is beginning in Korea. And if we do nothing, if we do nothing, 30 years from now, this is going to be a perverse nation. And I do not want to leave this as an inheritance to my children or grandchildren. So the searing of the conscience, the warping of the mind, the uncontrollable lust of the flesh is the result of years of feeding the flesh. It creates the demand for porn. It creates the demand for prostitution, which creates the demand for sex trafficking of innocent victims 
all around the world. And this sobering reminder, if you were not here the last time I preached on this in a maze, that South Korean women are the number one traffic people group into the United States, number one into Australia, number one into Japan. Two FBI agents talked to me this past February, because for the past seven years, every single brothel raid in the United States popped up 90% South Korean women. I got a phone call from ABC News in Australia, which is a national news network. They called me twice. They emailed me five times. Why? Because they were doing a news report on human sex trafficking in the country. And every single story that they've uncovered was about South Korean women. Just in South Korea alone, there are one million Korean women forced into sexual servitude. And I'm not even... That number doesn't even include the Filipinos, the Thai, the other ethnic groups in this country that are forced into it. Just South Korean women in this country. If we do nothing about this horrific injustice in our lifetime, there's a dark future where we will be leaving our children. Eight-year-olds are addicted. The perversions and violence will only increase unless the gospel penetrates into society. So teachers, students, parents, every Christian in this nation, you have a crucial role to play in the shaping and discipling the youth of this nation. Yeah. Now, that's a lot of bad news, right? Let's pause. It's <laughs> kind of heavy. But anybody who has heard me preach, you know you never get too comfortable. But yeah, let's celebrate some stuff. Let's celebrate something. Let's focus on some of the blessings of Korea. Korea is the number two mission-sending country in the world. Amen? Amen. We want to celebrate it. Korea has the largest churches in the world. Every major denomination, and there's a lot of denominations, every major denomination, the largest church of every major denomination in the world is found in this country. Amen? Amen. You could go to the most remote part of Korea, and I've been to some remote parts of Korea. You're going to find churches everywhere. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think it is beautiful to see. Sometimes we go on staff retreats, and we're like, the GPS doesn't even know that this road exists, and there are red crosses everywhere. I truly get blessed every time I see them. We don't see Buddhist temples everywhere like in Thailand anymore, even though this is one Buddhist nation. We see churches. That is a beautiful thing. Amen? Amen. So, number two mission-sending country in the world. Largest churches. All, every major job. Largest churches. And we have the highest suicide rates, divorce rates, abortion rates, sex trafficking rates, the most pornography purchased in the world. Do you see the disparity in that? I think it reveals a couple of things. Number one, it tells us that something seems to be wrong with the state of the church in terms of its integrity, purity, and humility. But, again, I don't want to focus on the negative. On the positive side, another thing it tells me is that it tells me that 
God has a great destiny for this country. Yeah. Satan sees it and wants to destroy it. Yep. That is why Satan is seeking to kill off this nation. The church is to be light and salt. Influencers of society, culture, music, and entertainment. We are to shape the world, not let the world shape us. But we have bought into the value system of this world. Pursuing money, pursuing comforts, pursuing our own image as our idols just like the world. That is why we are seeing less power in the church. Because we're looking a lot more like the world. But as I shared, there's a great destiny that awaits Korea. And I believe that God is looking for a faithful remnant who will fight for the passions of his heart. God is looking for and calling for a people set apart in this hour. He is calling for a people who will not give in to the value system of this world. He is calling for a people who will not settle for apathy towards injustice any longer. He is calling for a people who will no longer live for selfishness, but to live a life for the glory of God by sacrificial giving of our lives to others. He is calling for a people who will fight for a nation. This is a thing that has gripped me so heavily this past year. You need to understand, when you understand the pattern of what is happening in terms of what Satan is seeking to do to try to kill off this nation, you need to understand, every believer in this room, you need to make this connection click in your brain and heart and faith is that Satan is seeking to kill off this nation. Therefore, as believers who are called to this nation in this hour, you and I are called to fight for this nation and fight for a generation. Do you understand this? Do you understand the high calling that we have been given for this hour? For such a time as this. The Geelong Daily newspaper not too long ago reported a story about two teenage girls, Korean teenage girls, who forced one of their young teenage school classmates into prostitution. So, like, these 16, 17-year-old girls kidnapped this 13-year-old girl, advertised her online, and these older Korean gentlemen would pay money to buy sex from this 13-year-old. So these two teenage girls are functioning as pips. They spent several days in a motel, but once they ran out of money, they moved to one of the captors' houses. So, as they were sleeping, after several days, as the two teenage girls who were holding this uh, girl hostage fell asleep, the 12-year-old, this young teenager, was able to steal, basically, one of the phones, call her dad, and her dad came to rescue her. Now, obviously the question is, what would drive these teenage girls, these Korean girls, to prostitute one of their younger classmates? So they interviewed her, both of them. Do you know why? What would drive two teenage Korean girls to kidnap and prostitute a little teenager? 
their response. They needed money for hair, hair extensions. We are now seeing the results of the seeds of idolatry, greed, and immorality that have been planted by past generations that are now destroying the youth of this nation. The seeds have now turned into weeds. This generation is under severe attack by the enemy. And so the question, I believe, from the heart of God to us today, who will fight for this generation? Who will fight for this nation in prayer? Who will bring the life-saving message of the gospel to them? We must fight. For this nation. We must fight for this generation. Because this generation of believers, we are responsible for this generation of souls. Yeah. And I do not want to leave these evils and injustices as an inheritance for our children or grandchildren. I will not just stand by and let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy this generation any longer. So we must rise up in courage. We must rise up in prayer. Repent on behalf of the sins of this nation. Intercede for the youth of this nation as well as the elderly. And we must fight for the freedom of the souls that are bound to these sins. Yes, these are dark, evil days. But Jesus Christ came to deliver us from this present evil age. He is greater. He is stronger. And he has already won. The blessing they need is the freedom and restoration, the dignity and the honor that only Christ crucified can give to them. That is why Paul says in verse 5, To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He has won the war for us. Praise God and all glory to him. But we must go out there and claim the victory Jesus won on our behalf. This nation needs Jesus. We don't have time to play make-believe anymore. That's one thing that I've been stressing to our congregation. I don't have time to play make-believe church anymore. There is just too much at stake right now. Mm. You want to pretend you're a Christian when you come to Emmaus and go to church on Sundays, but the rest of the time you are hooked to porn, which is also feeding the industry for sex trafficking to happen? Time to choose your side, people. Yeah. No more playing Christianity anymore. Too much is at stake here. A generation is at stake here. It's time to pray and fast for this nation. It is time to get into the word. It is time to bring the word into the world. It is time to share the gospel. Saturate this campus with the gospel. Saturate the city with the gospel because only the gospel can set people free. It is time to take back what is ours, what was shared earlier today. The concept of possession. Psalm 2 says, ask of me and I'll give the nations as your inheritance. This tells me a couple of things. It tells me that the nations belong to those who pray for it. If you pray for a nation, that becomes your inheritance. And it is time for us to pray for our inheritance of this yeah. nation that God has called us to for the season of our lives. Korea does not belong to the enemy. Its destiny is not for suicide, abortion, divorce, and imprisonment. Korea does not belong to the enemy. It belongs to the church that prays for it. It belongs to Jesus who died for it. Yeah. 
So we need to fight for this nation. We need to fight for this generation and take it back in Jesus' name. One of the things that occurred to me is that because we are in one of the greatest epic battles in human history, because there are more people enslaved today than at any other time in human history, we are in one of the greatest battles, one of the greatest conflicts in human history. And for those who understand the scenario, those who understand the situation, you need to understand this. That for those who rise up to the call of this hour, those who step up to be the army of God, who will fight for the freedom of the enslaved, who understand that the mission of Christ, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, is anointing me to preach good news to the poor, to declare liberty to the captives, that Abolition language of setting captives free. His mission is now our mission. And for those who understand it, those who get it, understand that yes, the return of Christ is soon because the darkness has grown so much. But light is always greater than darkness. And those who understand the power of the Spirit of God who lives in us and know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world will step up in this hour, declare freedom, go out with the gospel, and fight for the freedom of the captives. Those who understand it will join this abolitionist army that God is forming in this hour. With that, when you rise up to this call, you're going to be part of a movement of a generation that will change this world. What I said at the beginning of this message was not just stuff in the air, puffed up words to try to pump you up. I literally meant it when I said, if you get this message and call from God tonight, not only will your life change, Korea's going to change. Yeah. And when Korea changes, Asia's going to change. Yeah. And when Asia changes, the world's going to change. Yeah. It's time to pray. It's time to repent. It's time to live in the presence of God through prayer. It's time to rise up with the word of God and with the sword of the Spirit in our hands and pierce the darkness. Yeah. It's time for the church to awaken from its apathetic slumber. We have been asleep and apathetic way too long. It's time to wake up, church. It's time to rise up. And it's time to change the world.